everybody to greet each other. You know the drill. Let's give a big hug, all right? Big hugs all around. God, we, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that, um, God, you brought us here, and we ask that this morning that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would pierce our hearts. God, we, we'd, uh, we'd be challenged to, to be different. We'd be challenged to be changed. We'd be challenged to want to wanna live and, and act like Jesus. Uh, we pray for Tim this morning. We ask that you would speak through him. God, use what you've, uh, what you've done in, in his life and the words that you've spoken into him uh, to challenge us this morning. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, the weather tried to scare us away two weeks in a row on this one. So I don't know if this is a message that uh, Satan didn't want to, <laughs> to come out or, or what. But we missed something that I was very sad about last Sunday because of the weather. And obviously there's God's timing for everything and maybe... Last Sunday, somebody wasn't going to be able to be here that was here this Sunday that needed to hear this message. But last Sunday, I was very sad because Grant and Ann Permenter uh, were going to be here to say goodbye to everybody. That was their last Sunday here in Des Moines. Uh, and they moved away Sunday afternoon. We got to go say goodbye to them. But what was really cool was I was going to have him. They shared some thought, thoughts with us about Cornerstone and what it meant to them before they left. And I said, I really want you up there before the message to share this with the group. I want them to hear this. And so he was all primed and ready to be able to come here and share that with you guys. Um, but at least I get to read a letter to you guys from them. It's not going to be as cool because I don't have that southern twang. Uh, my wife says a little bit, but nothing like Grant and Ann. So it won't be as cool. But, you know, I read this letter last night, and it was awesome. I want you guys to take this in because this is what we want to be about, impacting lives like this. And he's going to talk about the impact we've had on them. He says, how do you sum up four years of your life in a few paragraphs? That's impossible when, think, uh, when thinking of how CCC impacted our life. Many of you may not know, but Ann and I were a newly married couple of only four months when we nervously walked into a middle school auditorium in February of 2009. Being greeted by John and Kathleen Otley and many others made us immediately feel at ease. Over the next several months, we had the privilege of having dinner with Kyle and Karen Clarkson, Tim and Carol O'Bearen, and others, getting to know these couples and their passion for God and marriage was the exact message we needed to hear. Over time, we realized CCC was blessed with numerous couples, young and old, who possessed the same passions. Both Ann and I had been previously married. We found comfort and support at CCC to help develop and grow our young marriage. Ann immediately found a commonality with four or five other young ladies who were pregnant and due the same time Ann was. What you young moms not know is you were the hands and feet of God to Anne. For a woman who hadn't been to church but two to three dozen times in her life, Anne was accepted, supported, and loved by the likes of Karen, Kara, Tracy, and many others. You all, among others, have shown Anne God in a way she had never seen. You have helped guide her to be the woman I love so dearly today. I, as a husband and a father, thank you for all of that. As our family grew with Olivia and again with Addison, CCC became our family. Not having any family anywhere close, we came to rely on our CCC family for support. Our children grew to see your families as family. Hearing Olivia say, I want to go see my friends at church is music to a parent's ear. The, church, the church's continued efforts to stress the importance of small group involvement has allowed us to not just know people, but to give involved in their lives. 
The small groups we have been a part of have allowed us to share and praise and help carry the load of burdens of our friends. Setting like, uh, settings like these have given people like us a chance to share our stories, our struggles, to be real. God cannot do a work in your heart unless you confess the truth about who you are and what you are struggling with. The accountability our small group had helped us confront those truths. Even though we were broken and lost when we arrived in CCC, God has a plan to use CCC to build our marriage and our family. Just like it was for us in 2009 when the first Crazy Love small group, uh, these groups have given newer couples an avenue to get involved. These groups, we are sure, will continue to be a vital role, play a vital role in CCC's evolution. Thank you again for the friendship and support you have given our family. Leaving a place you know to be great is so hard. It's our friends and family at CCC that makes leaving Des Moines so hard. Thank you for sharing your lives with us and ours with you, Grant, Anne, Olivia, and Addison. I mean, I'm telling you what, that is what this is about. A young family that comes in both their second marriages, not really knowing what they're doing here in Des Moines just because he was an FBI agent, um, and Anne really not even coming to church much before that. And, and they came here and they found love and they found genuine people. And from there, I mean, Grant said the other night at, the, uh, at this going away party we did, what he was talking to, to us, he said, I think my wife is so much more beautiful now because of the impact this church had on her, uh, which was really cool. Because that's what we want to do. We want to help each other grow. We want to help each other uh, change. And, and that letter is great. So if you could express to, to Grant your appreciation for his words, uh, that would be good. As we talk this morning, um, we go back to the intro to this series, The Modern Family, and we said one of the things we feel like is that we're not getting real with how marriages really are in the church. I mean, we do a pretty good job of encouraging them and, and loving them, but we don't get real with some of the struggles. And so this morning we're talking about pitfalls in marriage, struggles in marriage, things that keep us from having a great marriage, and sometimes things that keep us from even having marriage, that destroy marriages. And so this is a very hard thing to talk about, don't worry, we're keeping it PG this morning. Uh, but we do want to get real, we do. Uh, and the problem I had was I had two weeks to get ready for this because last Sunday was canceled, and the more time I have is, is not very good for a guy like me. I don't get much sleep when that happens. Um, so I'm excited to come here, but also burdened to get out what needs to be said. And again, I just want to get out of the way and let God speak through me here and, and have these words impact you guys. I want to share two stories, and then I want to hit on two big action points for our church. What we want to talk about, what we want to discuss, and where we want to go with it. The first story... A lot of you guys have heard our testimony about how God saved our marriage and got us past the breaking point, and that's great. I don't need to get back into that. But in movie terms, I want to give you the prequel. I want to give you the pre-story that got us to the breaking point, where those struggles came from and how we got there. And then I'll share with you a second story of a couple that we've worked with uh, in the past year. For you guys, most of you guys know, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor, lots of kids, good parents. Loved the Lord, wanted to teach us the things of the Lord, but not without their own struggles. And, and we had friends that we were close to, and, and mostly we were close to the wife. The, the husband was a little rough. He didn't come to church very often. 
Uh, and there were some struggles there. Well, from the ages of four to eight, I started getting babysat by this, this gal on a regular basis, and she had some older kids there. Um, and my mom trusted her very much. And, and what, what happened over the course of 48 years really started me on the path that got me to the breaking point. Those 48 years, and I've brought this up before, but they had an older kid a few years older than me that, that physically abused me, verbally abused me, and then abused me in some other more serious ways. I think you guys know where I went with that. Um, and, and four to eight years, I didn't talk about it to anybody. I just allowed this to happen because I didn't know what to do. I was a little kid, obviously, and scared to tell anyone else, confused about those kind of things. And I would never talk about that again until I was 26 years old. 26. I, I held on to that for so long. But what that did, those four years of all that abuse happening, is, is I became insignificant in my mind. I, I became insecure beyond belief. Uh, I became like I wasn't a man. You know, I wasn't a real man. Even at a young boy, you can still feel that. And so all these things that were placed in me that I didn't know how to get past, I carried because of that. I, and, you know, we don't think those things are that common, but they are pretty common, unfortunately. I mean, we hear story after story after story, and that happened to me. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad about the situation I had. I, you know, I'm past that. I'm past that. But what that did was it had me carry something for years and years that I didn't know how to deal with. On top of that, my mom, again, a great woman, loves her kids, loves the Lord, but also struggled with me. We had a hard time connecting when I was growing up. My mom's father died when she was eight years old of alcohol abuse. And her brothers, she had three older brothers, they were, they were rough to her. And she had a really hard time with men in general. And so when I came along and my other brothers, we really had a hard time connecting with my mom. And she'll admit that later now, and, and she's gone through some counseling, and she's a lot better for it now. But growing up, I mean, it was a nightmare because I could not connect with her. I always felt like I couldn't please her. I couldn't make her happy. So, so that with all this insignificance and feeling so small from the other stuff that happened to me, I really, I carried these things for years and years and years that I didn't know how to deal with. I love the Lord, but for a little kid who does not know how to talk about the problems that you've had in your life, it's really hard to try to figure that out with God and come to grips with what I need to do to fix it. So I just carried that. So fast forward to I'm 18 years old, and I walk into Emmaus Bible College, and the first day, I meet Kara, and the rest is history, because we started dating within a week. Um, I knew that's who I wanted to be with. We started this dating relationship for three years. Kara's background, and you guys know Russ and Shirley, and they're good Christian people as well. Go to Bethany Bible Chapel over in, in Cedar Falls. But Kara grew up living in the shadows of his, of his strong older sister that everybody seemed to admire and everybody seemed to praise. And so she felt that she was insignificant because her sister was so cool and so beautiful and so talented and she couldn't live up. She dealt with some feelings of abandonment from friends and different people at church while she was growing up, which I always have a hard time believing that really happened, that anybody could abandon her. Uh, but 
Those are some of the things she faced. So she held on to these things and didn't know how to deal with them. So we're two broken individuals, and we're dating for three years, and we're dealing with this insignificance and these, these, these things that we've held on for so long. And so honestly, at 13 years old, to go back a little bit, my grandfather died out of nowhere. And that was the first time I started realizing I'm going to start relying on other things because I don't know how to rely on God. I don't know how to deal with this pain. So I masked my pain with something else. And to get real about it, with everything that happened to me, I started viewing images I shouldn't. TV, internet, magazines, books, whatever it was, my mind went there and I didn't know why. But when there was pain, I didn't know how to bring it before God. And so at 13 years old, I started an addiction that I struggled with for a long time. A long time. Because that was my first real hurtful pain that happened. And that's where I went, unfortunately. And so it continued. So things happened with my mom, struggles, all the stuff. I built this addiction. So now we're dating, Karen and I, three years. And she doesn't know any of this about me, obviously. I'm not going to tell her about the worst part of my life. And so we finally get married. And in my mind, honestly... I believed once I got married, my struggles, my issues were done. That I could get past it. I have somebody that loves me, that thinks I'm so great, that could build me up, that can encourage me, that could challenge me, and that this is going to be over. And honestly, in Kara's mind, she thought the same thing. I'm getting married, and now I've got somebody that's going to treat me like I need to be treated, that's going to take care of me. Well, for you that have already been married at any time, um, it doesn't always go like you think it's going to go. Because the problem is, you get into that marriage and you try so hard to get, really. I mean, you want to give, but you try so hard to get what you need. So a year into this marriage, it took a few months, and I'm back struggling because it didn't fix me. It didn't heal me. So I start struggling again. And, and at that point, I really didn't want to. I really I wanted to beat this. So... I got convicted one night, and I brought Kara, <laughs> poor Kara, I brought her, I said, I need to talk to you about something, and I'm crying, and I share with her, I have struggled with this addiction, Kara, for so many years, and you never knew anything about it, and now we're in our marriage, and I want this to work, and so I shared this stuff with her, and it floored her, honestly, I mean, she's a very innocent uh, woman, and it floored her, but we'll start working through it. We made a vital mistake at that point because Kara and I started trying to work through it, but we didn't bring anybody else in. I mean, I had Karen Leverance's dad, or Karen Clarkson's dad, Keith, that I was close to. I had Steve Witter, who you guys have seen come speaker, that I was close to. I had many people that I could go talk to and share this with that would be able to help me talk through the psychological and the spiritual aspect of it, but we didn't bring anybody in. For one, you know, it's embarrassing. Pride gets in the way. So, we didn't deal with it at that point. We moved to Colorado. Things continue. Uh, because even though I've confessed to the care, I haven't dealt with it. I've just told her the problem. I haven't dealt with it. And they continue to get worse, continue to get worse. And even, you know, good, genuine people, good, genuine believers, if they do not deal with the issues in their life, you can reach a breaking point. And that's how we got there. One thing I'll say about while we were in Colorado, and, and none of this, I don't, blame, I don't blame the kid 
when I was growing up for any of the choices I made. I don't blame my mom for any of those choices I made. I don't blame lack of support or accountability. That was, I made those choices. But I have to put myself in a better situation. When we were in Colorado, we were in a church. We were not involved in a church. I was working for Camp Elam uh, and, and doing a lot of ministry. So we didn't really get involved in small groups. We didn't get involved in any of the service or ministry. We didn't have a support group. You've got to have a support group in marriage. You've got to. You've got to be plugged into a church. And I would just say that before I move on. Second story. This is hard for us, but a couple that we're very close to outside of this state that we've been working with, they got married at a young age. The man kind of thought this gal's out of his league, and he tries to woo her the best he can, and somehow it works. And they come together and they get married and they both love the Lord. and They both have a passion for the Lord. But one thing about this marriage, uh, the husband is very big on financially providing for his family. Not as big as being hands-on. Not as big as connecting emotionally or, or building up or encouraging. And so he's okay with being in the background and just making the money for the family. He was not as big as connecting with his wife, sometimes with his kids. And so gradually, for this gal, she started growing a bitterness inside her at that husband for not connecting with her, to not try to reach out with her at the end of the night for going and doing his own thing. That's over years and years and years, this bitterness just grew. And it grew and it grew. And so what she turned to was shopping. I'm going to go spend money. I want to buy some clothes. It makes me feel better. Um, so she started shopping until it got to a point where he realized that's what she was turning to, and he cut her off. You're not getting this money. And that bitterness hit the breaking point. Somebody else comes around, says some nice things to her, makes her feel a little different about herself. And people who never think they're going to make a choice that would impact their whole family, the people around them, make a choice that impacts their whole family and the people around them because they let somebody else tell them they're important because they felt like they weren't getting it. The big first point that I want to make is your marriage cannot heal your pain. Your marriage cannot fix your brokenness. Your spouse cannot play that role for you. Because the problem that we have, whether we're in our first week of marriage or 20, 30 years, a lot of times we struggle without even knowing it, is putting our spouse in the role of God in our life. We put our spouse in the role of God. That I've got all these pains from my past, I've got all these hurts, and I need him to fix it. I need her to fix it. See, we go into marriage just like Karen and I did. Hey, we've got all this brokenness and hurt, but when we get married, everything's going to be great. Because Karen's going to tell me I'm a man, and she's going to tell me how awesome I am, and she's going to build me up, and she's going to make me feel significant, and I'm going to treat her like a princess, and I'm going to you know, bring her flowers every day, and she's going to feel beautiful for the first time. She's going to feel beautiful, but it doesn't work like that because we both come into marriage trying to, to get from each other that fix that we need, but we can't put our spouses in the role of God in our lives. Only God can heal our pain. Only God can heal our hurts. Only God can fix those holes in our heart that have been there for years and years and years. Now, for sure, a spouse is supposed to encourage, build up, challenge, 
love, do all those things. God created us for that. But He did not create the spouse to heal the wound. He did not create the spouse to fix the brokenness. I mean, a lot of us bring our own baggage to marriage. Whether it be small or big, we're probably bringing some baggage. Okay? And it may be you were molested as a child. But maybe you just had a parent that yelled at you a lot and it made you feel small. Maybe you were abandoned by a parent and they weren't around. Maybe there was a divorce that really left some scars on you that you never knew how to deal with and so you just carried all these years. Maybe it was a family member that that ran you down or said one thing that you never forgot and you held on for your whole life. They said that one thing and it hurt you. They didn't realize it, but you just held on to it. Maybe it was a teacher that came down on you too hard. Who knows? But we all have our own little baggage that we carry with us. And a lot of times we don't want to deal with it and we just bury it. So when we bring this baggage into marriage and we don't deal with it and we don't take care of it and we don't let God heal that part of us, we're not giving our marriage a very good opportunity at being really successful. When you carry your baggage into marriage and you don't deal with it, you're not giving yourself a shot at having a good Christian marriage where God is really glorifying what you're doing. And so the biggest point is let God heal that. Bring it before Him. Only God can do that. I want to read some verses here. You guys don't have to turn with me because I want to read through a couple of these. They're real short. Uh, Psalm 73, 26 is the first one. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalms 147.3 He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's the role God plays in our lives. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy and My burden is light. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy and My burden is light. See, God promises... We come to Him, He wants to heal us. We talk to Him about these things. We confess these things to Him. That's the role He plays. So, if we come into this marriage and we, we expect to get, 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 get and not give, 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 there's going to be a big problem. And, and I, I will confess wholeheartedly, I still do that. I still walk around saying, she didn't notice that I just did that for her? She doesn't think I look good looking. (laughs) She didn't tell me, thank you for playing with my kids. You know, how do we we do that? Thank you for playing with your own kids. She says, he didn't notice that I put on this dress. He didn't notice how I did this. He didn't notice that I'd taken care of the kids all day and still made dinner for them. We do this all the time. We're trying to get, 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 get from our marriage because we have all these things that we have not allowed God to heal in our hearts. We have placed our spouse in the role of God. And then when we can go to God and say, heal me, here's the problems, here's the baggage, 
heal me. And then we go to our spouse. I confess this to you. I'm sorry. I I brought this baggage to the marriage. And I have just been carrying it around with me. And now I brought it before God and I want it to be healed and we talk to it. And then we go to a friend. We go to somebody in the church. I've got this stuff I need to take care of. Help me. And we deal with this and we let God heal our heart. He frees us. He frees us to be able to give, give, give. And so we're not sitting around thinking, i got to get this. I need this significance from my wife. I need this significance from my husband. I need to hear this. Because otherwise, I feel like I'm not important. I feel like I'm not loved. I feel like I'm not beautiful. And we're just trying to get as much as we can, and we're just pulling from each other. That marriage is nothing. It's struggling. I mean, you may get to a breaking point, and you may just struggle for years and years and years and never be happy. But when we can be healed and freed, then we're just going to love, love, love. I see Hera, and she is beautiful. And I tell her that. Even when I'm thinking, I tell her. I don't keep it to myself. And I see what she's done. And I tell her she's significant to me. And I tell my kids what they mean to me. And my wife reciprocates that. And now you have two people that aren't worried about what they're not getting in that marriage, and they are giving wholeheartedly to each other. Giving. What what does that marriage look like, you think? Healthy, healed marriages by God, where you have two people coming together just giving, showing love, because they don't need to get because God took that role, right? They don't need that from their spouse because they put God in the right place. So now they can be freed up to love each other. That's awesome. And we, I think we all struggle with that. And we have great marriages in this church, but we still all struggle with, what about me? So the first big point is let God be the one to heal you. Put God in that role of being able to show you your significance. To show you who you are in Him. And then let that impact the way you love. And it doesn't just go to your spouse, it goes down to the kids. They see that, it goes to the people in the church. They see that, it goes to the people around you. When you let God take that role and you're healed, you don't need to look to anybody else for that significance and that healing yourself. So what happens when we don't go to God and we don't let Him heal us and we don't look to Him for that role? We look to the spouse and what happens when the reality of a marriage that can't fix you is there, where do we turn after that? And that's the scary thing. And that's the dangerous thing. That's what I struggle with. Because when we look other places for our significance and our importance or other places to mask our pain, it could be very small. It could be things that they're not a sin, but they're a place that we're going for something. I mean, it could be food. We eat because... We don't feel good about ourselves. We feel this pain, and so we go eat, and we eat. I mean, go watch The Biggest Loser. Don't watch Jillian, but watch Mark, <laughs> or, or Chris. What's his name, Mark? Mark? Uh, Bob, Bob, sorry. I don't watch it very often. But Bob, what he starts to do is he deals with those issues of why they're eating. Why are you doing this? You don't just eat because you like food. Of course, we all like food. They're trying to bury some kind of hurt in them from a long time ago, and you'll see them, they're crying, and, 
And they're bawling and they're trying to get past this stuff. The sad thing, it's not on a spiritual level, but they're trying to deal with their pains of their past. Well, my mom did this to me and my dad did this to me and this happened to me and this classmate did this to me. And so what they did was they masked it by eating. Eat, eat, eat. That makes me feel better. Maybe it's TV. We want to separate ourselves from our reality. TV in itself is not necessarily bad. Some may disagree, but it's not necessarily bad. But when we try to use it as a different reality, be able to get away from our life that we lived all day, now i got to step out into my reality show where life's different. Then that becomes a problem. Sports. I use sports a lot for my significance because I felt like I was pretty good at it. I had a good knowledge. And so I'll go in there and it make me feel so much better about myself because I know something. I know something. Maybe our job. Maybe we, we go to our work and we work so hard and, and we're good at it. And people know we're good at it. But we're doing it because we want to get that significance from there and not God. Because we haven't figured out how to get it there. We haven't figured out how to get it in the home. So our job gives us our importance and our feedback. Obviously, it's not bad to go and want to do a good job at work. It's not bad to get people that feed back to you and say you're good at what you do. But when you're putting that in the place of God, then it becomes a problem. And then our kids. It's very dangerous when we start leaning on our kids to show us the importance that we can't get from God or from our spouse. And a lot of times that happens. So you want to be careful. And then it can lead into more dangerous things. Pornography. Alcohol abuse. Drugs. Gambling. Different things that really can impact the families in a big way. See, when you have this problem of feeling insignificant and you can't find it from God and you can't find it from your spouse and you're going somewhere else to mask the pain and just give you some kind of a feeling that makes you feel somewhat better, I've been there, folks. It becomes a crutch. And it can start so small and it can just grow and grow and grow. The smallest little thing. Something that's not even necessarily bad, but you lean on it for the wrong things and then it grows to something else and you need more. And you need more. And you need more. And it'll just grow and grow and grow. And that's when you can get to the breaking And I say the breaking point because either you're going to make a big mistake like I did and you could potentially lose everything you've had, or the second aspect of it is you're just broken in marriage for years and years and years and you never fix it. You're just there. It's kind of like church. Sometimes we just play a role. We come here on Sundays, we read our Bibles, we pray sometimes, we sing some praises half-heartedly, And we play our role as the good Christian. Same thing in marriage. We sleep in the same bed. We take out the trash. We sit together sometimes at the end of the night. Sometimes we have some good conversations. But a lot of times in marriage, we're just playing the role. Because we haven't dealt with the things we need to. And so when we're going to these things and they're growing and they're growing and it gets to that breaking point, because we never dealt with it, it becomes very dangerous. I want you guys to turn to Ephesians with me. I do want you to get this. And it's going to be on these cards when you come up here. But this will be the key verse that that we look at. This was a very important passage to Kara and I when we were going through counseling. Something that we uh, 
we have to remind ourselves of a lot. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Let me find it. Verse 8, sorry. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Bring them up. Talk about them. Expose that darkness to light. God gives us that opportunity. If you don't expose that darkness and it just grows and grows inside of you, people who never imagined doing some of the worst things they ever could become monsters in other ways that they never thought they could. You know, the crazy thing was when we sat down in counseling, Karen and I, one of the first things, the, the, and this was a very good Christian counseling, I would recommend it to anybody, but one of the first things he said was, Kara, you're capable of the same thing as Tim. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm not. No, you're capable of the same thing. Everybody is capable of these monstrous sins that we hear everyone. We're all capable. People don't think they are, but you're all capable. So we have to come to our God and expose the small things in our life or even the big things in our life, but take care of it. Expose that darkness to light. If we don't, It's going to grow and grow and grow. And you're left with two things. A broken marriage, unhappy spouse, unhappy wife, husband, kids that are struggling. Can't connect with anybody else because you're struggling and you can't get past it. Expose that darkness to light. And I will tell you, I've been there many times, is the hardest thing to do, even a small thing, to come and tell somebody, I'm not who you thought I was. I mean, aspects of me are. But I'm not really who you thought I was. I struggle with this, and I don't ever tell anybody. I don't talk about it. Because I want to put on this persona that I'm somebody that I'm not. But when you let that out, and you say, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I've been. And I want to deal with it, the good and the bad, but this is who I am. There's a healing that takes place from God when you expose that darkness to light. God wants to hear that from us. He wants to hear those pains and those struggles and the problems that are keeping us from being a great follower of Him, a great husband or wife, a great parent, a great friend. He wants to hear those things that are holding us back. So when we can expose that darkness to light, amazing things can take place. I encourage you, everyone here, if there's something that you're holding on to, something that you're going to to get your significance, something you're using to mask your pain, maybe it's big, maybe it's small, something from your past that you never really talked about because you never wanted to deal with it, that could be holding you back from an amazing marriage, 
An amazing relationship with Jesus Christ. An amazing friendship with those around you. Amazing relationship with your kids. But we will hold on to those into our grave, and then what? We didn't get to experience that because we were too prideful. We were too selfish. We were too afraid. People saw me so ugly seven years ago. So ugly. I mean, I sat there and I knew that what people thought of me, and all I had left was to go to God in my brokenness and say, I hear you love me. I hear you think I'm beautiful. I hear you think I'm significant. And I want to believe it. And I kept going to God. And when I didn't have my wife, and I didn't have you know, my family right there, and it felt like I was completely alone, God started healing me. He started taking that. And I started finding my significance in Him. So, if, if my relationship with my wife was never what I wanted it to be, I still didn't need to go to her for my significance. I found it in God. Same thing for Kara. If I never turned around, she couldn't have that expectation. She got that from God. What's the result if we don't? We talked about it. It could be very small, and not very small, it's big, but you could just struggle in marriage for years and years and years, struggle in your walk with Christ for years and years and years, and never reach this full happiness that God promises until we get to eternity. But you could also lose everything. You could lose everything. I'm not the norm, not me. God performed a miracle in our marriage, truly. Carol could have walked away easily and no one think anything of it. And somehow, God chose to heal this marriage and to perform a miracle. But I was sitting back three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and my son Colin wanted to have a snuggle party. And so I think it was Martin Luther King Day the day after. And so we brought out the big mattress from our bedroom. And all four of us are on there. We're just hugging each other and where my son loves to be the most, snuggling with his parents and his sister. And I sat back and I thought, what if? What if God didn't save what I had? What if that miracle was not performed? What would I have lost? And I was thinking about that. I would not be waking up next to the most amazing woman I have ever met. And I wouldn't be finding anyone better than Kara. And I could have thrown that away. I wouldn't have that sweet little boy that all he wants is a snuggle party and to be with his dad as much as he possibly can. I wouldn't have that. I would have thrown it away. I wouldn't be able to come home and have him run to me and jump into my arms. And the hardest part of it was Sylvie would not have been born. Sylvie would not be here. My sweet little girl, if I had not been saved by God and our miracle, <laughs> that miracle in our marriage had not been performed. And that's the reality. We don't deal with these things. It could be we just go through the motions, but it could be we lose it all. You can imagine my little girl not being around, not having those things. It's real, people. We've got to talk about this in the church. We've got to talk about it with our friends. We've got to talk about it with our families. We've got to get real with these things. It's not just for our marriage. It's for our relationship with God. Expose these things. Don't be afraid because I hear you. I'm afraid. It's not easy. But talk to people. You have an opportunity 
to talk to someone about something. You're challenged when you come up and take communion. The card's here, grab one. It's going to have that verse, expose darkness to light. And it's going to have a challenge on it for this week. Expose some kind of darkness in your life to, to light. Confess it first to God. If you're married, take it to your spouse. But take it a step further. Bring that support group in. Bring somebody in the church in, a friend, somebody, but deal with it. Don't let it keep going and growing. I mean, God promises us to have these awesome marriages, these awesome relationships, but we have to yield to Him and let Him heal us. That's the cool thing. We have to let, let God take over that. I'm going to have Nick come up here, and, and he's going to pray as, as the band goes back. And we're going to sing a song, and I just want you guys to sit back, listen to the words. And then, uh, and then we're going to talk a little more before we get into communion. Um, but I want you guys to get real with, with who you are, even if you think it's something small. Again, those small things that are in your life can grow to something big. Um, and keep these words in mind. God, we want to be, uh, we want to be broken before you. Um, Father, I pray that as we think about these things that... Um, we would expose the lies of Satan in our life that says we need to be perfect, that says we need um, to be a certain way before we can serve you, that we need to be uh, a certain way before you look down on us and love us. But God, I pray that we would expose those things to the light so that you can come in and in our willingness to confess them to you, that you would come in and heal those areas in our life. God, we want to have the best marriages we can have. We want to be um, effective for your kingdom, God. We want to love on our kids. We want to love on each other as the church, God. But if we are not honest with you, it's just not going to happen. God, I, I have hid for so long in my life um, things that I struggle with and things that I would be embarrassed to share in front of the church as a pastor, and, and, and that's just a lie. Because we're lying to ourselves, we're being lied to by Satan if we think um, that exposing these things should be embarrassing. It's just a place of pride, God. So break down our pride, break down our walls, God. I pray that this in these moments, as we respond to you, God, that we would, that we would take the challenge, that we would expose sin in our lives to the light. Um, God, that you would heal those places in our life, but God, help us to be honest and serious about the things you want to change. God, we just give these moments to you. Spirit, change our lives, inhabit our praises, and, um, and God, help us. We need you. We need you. We need you. In Jesus' name.
We're going to sing one more song here uh, before Nick comes up. And again, I don't want to miss an opportunity, and I don't want to overdo it either, but if there's something on your heart right now, and there's going to be a lot going on after this service, but if there's something on your heart and you need to talk to somebody and you need to deal with something and you need to get something right, go find somebody. Go talk to somebody. If you're afraid of what they'll think, you can come talk to me. Because <laughs> you guys know my story. I'm out there. So you guys can come talk to me. You can talk to any of the elders. You can talk to anybody. Ladies, go grab a good godly woman to talk to. But deal with it. Take care of these things. Don't let days pass, moments pass, where you don't deal with these things in your life. Because you know what? We're all broken. We're all broken. Nobody's better, nobody's worse. We're all coming before God, broken people, and he wants to heal us. He wants to fix us. So don't let that moment pass. Right here at the feet of Jesus at the cross, God, I lay my temper. Man, I didn't have a temper until I had kids. So don't judge because all you had kids know that you have a temper. But talk about doing things that you never thought you would do. I could tell you this right now. I bet you anything that Tim feels an immense amount of freedom at this moment because he shared with you what he shared with you this morning. I remember when Heather and I shared our story. When Tim's like rubbing off on me, I'm like going to cry or something here. It's like, but when Heather and I shared our story, I felt more freedom than I have ever felt in this church because you knew what was wrong with me. And it's not like, like, hey, I'm a pastor. I get a stamp and there's nothing wrong with me. There's actually probably more wrong with me because I'm a pastor, because people hold you to a higher standard. But you know what? That's just a lie. Everybody in this room struggles with sin, with something. There is freedom. That's why there's freedom right here. There's freedom here. Because without it, you can't let go of your sin. That is freedom. So let it go. After we're done with what we're going we're gonna to have our annual meeting after this, but after we're done with that, if you still need to lay something in this box to show, not everybody, but to show yourself that I am ready to be honest with what is wrong with me, then stay here and lay it in the box. There's nothing magical about laying it in the box. But you're telling yourself and you're being honest with God. Remember John Reed a few weeks ago, he said, we challenge people to pray the truth about themselves. Until you're ready to pray the truth about yourself and to be honest with what is wrong with you, that God, through Jesus, can redeem that and He wants to heal that in you, your, mar your marriage may just get to that point. And I, I'm gonna, I, I need to work on my temper with my kids. Because Heather and I feed off of each other, honestly. And some, at the end of the day, sometimes I'm like, I just destroyed my child. I just verbally abused my child. But that will never be healed in me until I'm ready to do this.
until I'm ready to be honest. There is freedom in that. And I know you're scared to death to share it with anybody because you're proud. So tell somebody you're proud before you share it with them. Say, I struggle with pride because this is what I struggle with. God, we, we lay everything that we are. I think church should be more like celebrate recovery because we've got to be honest, God. That's why you set us free so that we could be honest with what is wrong with us because you healed us from it. You want to save us from it. And God, you want us to be effective in your kingdom, so help us to be honest with ourselves and with you, God. There is no shame because you already took it all. And thank you for what Tim shared this morning, and thank you for what was laid at your feet this morning, God, in people's hearts. Continue that, God. Continue that. We love you, and we need you. We confess to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for our freedom. And all his people said, amen.